All right, so we've been looking at uh, the Exodus story. And specifically, we've been in the Ten Commandments. And does anybody else feel the weight of these uh, instructions? Right? It's not like an easy, God is good, everything is great sort of sermon series. Right? There's much more in this. Yes, God is good, but he has called us to a higher standard. And with each of these can potentially come convicting applications. And kind of what we're talking about with the idea of community being there to encourage and support one another with physical needs, it's also here to support and encourage one another relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so if you feel the weight of any of these, right, that, that spirit, the spirit of God, right, conviction, not guilt, that's not from God, but conviction to do things, I'd heavily encourage you to get plugged in with other people. If you're in a small group, talk to those people about what's going on in your mind. Right? There's four different small groups that meet throughout the week um, in terms of couples. There's sermon series based. There are single people in those as well. There's also a women's Bible study that's going to be starting the beginning of March down here at 530 on Thursdays. And there's also a men's Bible study that meets here on Friday at 630 a.m. So these are just opportunities for you to come and go deeper with what you feel like God is doing. Because if all you do is show up and listen, right, maybe write down a note or two and then forget all about it, your life will not be changed to the magnitude that it could be if you're willing to apply, right? But community is given to help us make that application. I hope that's making sense. All right. Let's pray. Just kind of... Take a moment to stop in order to recognize that God is real and invite him into um, what, whatever lies ahead for the next 45 minutes. God, right now, communally, we, uh, we acknowledge that you are real, that without you we would have nothing, and so we want more of you into this room, into our minds, into our lives. We invite you in, God. Have your way. Amen. All right, so as a, a biblical teacher, somebody who likes to teach the Bible, I'm always telling you that context is crucial, right? Yes, we're going to be looking at one of the Ten Commandments, but so often those are pulled out of context. Somebody tell me, what is the context, the surrounding story of the Ten Commandments? It's a small enough room I can ask this. The Israelites are going through the wilderness, absolutely. Why are they in the wilderness? They were just brought out of Egypt. Did they, like, break themselves out of Egypt, like, gather a big army and fight against God stepped in and delivered a community of people that was inescapably bound to slavery. And then he brings them to the mountain in order to chain them to rules and put them under weight of oppression? No. Why would a superhero come in and save someone and then put them back in a bad situation? So in this context, I'm hoping you're starting to see that these are rules, instructions on how to live well, coming from a gracious and caring God who not only delivered these people, but then wants to lead them into a good life. So often the Ten Commandments have that just connotation of being hard, which they are, but like restricting and just putting you into another point of bondage, but the reality is they're rules from our creator to help us live in a more free way. Today we're going to be looking at Exodus 20.12, the sixth commandment. Maybe it's the fifth commandment. I think it's fifth. If you wouldn't mind putting that up there. Honor your father and your mother 
so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You know, Paul says this in Ephesians 6, I don't have it, but this is the only commandment with a promise. You know, I want to start with a warning, though. This commandment isn't just for your kids, right? I see you whisper into her chat saying, hey, you see this? My 16-year-old daughter needs to pay attention. Back at Mount Sinai, it was actually given to adults. We'll talk more about this later, but I don't want everyone 18 and older to think that they have the ability to simply zone this one out. No matter how old you are or whether or not your parents are still alive, pay attention. There are good, challenging, and very applicable things in this commandment. We're going to look at it in three ways. The opportunity it gives us, the struggle that comes with it, and then the benefits that come out of it. So let's start with the opportunity. You know, as I've been studying these verses and other ones directly associated with it, I have discovered that the foundation of this command is humility. According to Google, humility is defined as a modest or low view of one's own importance. To clarify, biblically, this has nothing to do with your inherent value. Being humble doesn't mean that you look down upon yourself, seeing yourself as worthless. Rather, it is the notion of elevating God and others above yourself is when you see God and others and their needs as more important than your desires. When someone chooses to live humbly, it means that they are more concerned with God and others than they are with themselves. We see Paul describe this in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. I love that definition. Let me give you a few examples of leaders, right? You guys know the name George Washington, right? Apparently, when he was around, he was considered a very humble man. Let me read a story to you. Once upon a time, a writer came across a few soldiers who were trying to move a heavy log of wood without success. The corporal was standing by just watching as the men struggled. The writer couldn't believe it. He finally asked the corporal why he wasn't happening, wasn't helping. The corporal replied, I am the corporal. I give orders. The rider said nothing in response. Instead, he dismounted his horse. He went up and stood by the soldiers, and as they tried to lift the wood, and as they tried to lift the wood, he helped them. With his help, the task was finally able to be carried out. Who was this kind of rider? Right? The rider was George Washington, the commander in chief. He quietly mounted his horse and went to the corporal and said, The next time your men need help, send for the commander in chief. Also, we have leaders within our community that exhibit humility as well. My neighbor, his name is Calvin. He's the head coach of Post 22, a pretty large outfit. And I was talking to one of the assistant coaches, and he said that whenever there is any sort of practice, like batting practice, anything like that, Calvin is always walking around with a bucket picking up balls. It's just the way that he always leads. It's just by picking up equipment in order to encourage his his players. Also, a guy that's part of this church, his name's Bill Ewing. He founded CLM, Christian Life Ministries, 30-plus years ago. And for the last 10 years, he's been sharing an office as a counselor with another counselor. The last one I want to look at, the King of Kings. We get this if we keep reading in Philippians 2. But the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now you notice that first verse? Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. A crucial part of being a child of God and a follower of Jesus is being humble. It's being willing to continually elevate others and their needs above your own. Now, I know humility is a hard thing to begin to grasp. Right? It is one of the least common virtues promoted by our culture. We live in a time when everything is focused on what is best for self. The idea of personal choice and self-empowerment are being continually marketed through every form of advertisement and entertainment. This is because at the core of our flesh lies a desire to do what is best for self. This means the idea of living selflessly, even though it may sound appealing, rubs against the deepest parts of who we are. But according to our creator, living humbly is a foundational element to the good life. Let me show you two proverbs that state this. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Before destruction, one's heart is haughty, but humility goes before honor. Now you may be thinking, this is good, but what does this have to do with honoring my father and mother? You know, as I've been thinking and praying through these, this verse the past couple of weeks, I've come to realize that for everyone, regardless of your age, your parents provide you with continual opportunity to practice humility. And these opportunities are given to you from the day you were born until the day you die. You see, every single person has a biological mom and dad. Regardless of who they are or how well you know them, they are your parents. Without them, you would not exist. You don't believe me? Let me give you a quick and fully G-rated story about how you came into the world. (laughs) Because of your dad's sperm and your mom's egg, you were formed. Prior to that, you were not. You were literally nothing. At the moment of conception, you began to be formed inside your mom's belly, being knit together based on their DNA. 50% from your dad, 50% from your mom. The way that you look and so many of your natural tendencies are byproducts of your parents. Even if this is the only thing that your parents did for you, they have still been naturally elevated to a position of authority in your life, and therefore deserve to be honored. But for a strong majority of us, if not all of us, our parents did far more than just conceive us. They also raised us. Think about what your mom did for the first nine months of your life. And then what they did for you when, when the only thing you were able to do was eat, sleep, poop, and cry. Right? How about their role in your life when you were in elementary school, even into middle school? Regardless of your view of how they treated you, they most likely provided you with a roof over your head and put food into your bellies. Due to governmental regulations, you were not allowed to get a job when you were eight years old, so therefore you were not paying the bills. Most likely, it was your parents. Because of this, our parents are naturally elevated to a position of authority in our lives, and therefore they should be honored. And, and their influence in your life is, far, is most likely far more than just keeping you alive. I'd imagine a lot of us in here still have or had really good parents, ones that raise us with love. They slowly and continually taught us lessons about how best to live. 
They also showed you that you were worthwhile and valuable with their words and their actions. Now, I do not know this for sure. Each situation, right, parent and child, is completely unique. But regardless of how your parents were, if they were given the Parent of the Decade Award or they were abusive and neglectful, they have been put by God into a position of authority into your life. Therefore, they deserve to be honored by you. Now, I've been thinking, as, as I've been thinking on this, I don't believe that there is any other person or relationship that exists that is this universal. Not every one of us has a boss or a teacher, but everyone has parents. So that means that everyone can practice being humble towards the ones that, brought, that were used to bring them into this world. A major way to do this, to practice humility, is by honoring your parents. The word honor in the Hebrew is defined as distinguish, esteem, affection, obedience, and reverence. If you wouldn't mind putting that one up. This means that we are called by God to speak highly of our parents, to obey what they ask us to do, to hold them in high regard when we are with them or when we are talking about them. It can even mean that we are called to do things to bring them honor. Right? Instead of just being reactive, to be proactive. But if we're honest, this isn't easy, is it? So that's the opportunity. Now let's get to the struggle. Whether you were raised by a support, whether you were raised in a supportive and safe home, or grew up with alcoholics, the idea of one's parent, treating one's parents with reverence, also known as deep respect, and submitting to their authority, has never been easy. Whether you were three or 13, or 30, or 70, submission never comes easy. If I was to pass the mic around right now, I guarantee that we would hear tons of stories, both funny and ridiculous, of times when each of us rebelled against our parents. There seems to be something deep within everyone that desires to buck the system and do whatever we want. And because our parents are instantly and irrevocably placed into authority over us, they are a major focal point of our rebellion. According to the Bible, this stems directly from our flesh. Now, if you've been a part of the Christian world for any length of time, you've heard this word, haven't you? The flesh, right? But this seems to fall into the same category as heart or sanctification. Unfortunately, it's become Christianese, words used so often but very rarely explained. So let me take a moment to explain flesh. For me, the best way to define it is our broken or imperfect self. The moment that Adam and Eve chose to reject God's plan and authority for their lives, he honored their choice and cut them off from his overwhelming goodness. When this happened, something very real changed within them. Without God, they were unable to be perfect, but it wasn't only his perfection they lost. They also contracted a spiritual cancer. Without God's direct presence in their minds, their emotions, their willpower, what the Bible calls their heart, selfishness was planted in the deepest parts of who they are. Over a short amount of time, it seemed to spread and take hold of the most basic and foundational levels, which means that they subconsciously operated out of a selfish mind. Right? Can you relate to that at all? Because of this, everyone born since the fall has inherited this broken or imperfect self otherwise known as our flesh. So this is why it is so natural and easy for us to fight against our parents. We simply want to be in control and do whatever we believe is right. 
So when this irremovable force like our parents is put into our path, we naturally want to rebel. This means, this is the main reason why we have so many of these stories of pushing back. You know, I also want to give you two more reasons, more specific, of why we do not want to humble ourselves to the authority of our parents. First one, our parents are outdated. Right? It doesn't seem to matter what time frame of human history you look at. The younger generation always sees the older generation as outdated and irrelevant. Think about how often you've thought about this with your parents or even more so your grandparents. They don't really understand me or my situation because they don't know what's happening in this world. Therefore, I don't need to listen to their thoughts. Did you hear your own voice saying that? Here's a quote that I came across. Children see in their parents the past. Their parents see in them the future. And if we find more love in the parents for their children than in children for their parents, this is sad but natural. Who, doesn't, who does not entertain his hopes more than his recollections or his past? We so easily assume that the world is so different today than when our parents were alive, which in some ways it is. But the most basic premise of living in this world has not changed regardless of technology or cultural shifts. There are universal elements that have always existed for everyone. Because of this, our parents have wisdom that is fully applicable to our lives today. You know, another specific reason why it's hard for us to humble ourselves and submit to our parents' authority is because they are not perfect. You know, as someone's child, we get the front row seat to both their goods and their bads. When you are in such an intimate position in someone's life, you can so easily see the imperfections or what we think are their imperfections. From this, we so easily allow distance and even bitterness to grow. But regardless of if you are right and they are wrong or if it's simply a byproduct of your skewed perspective, when your parents mess up, Jesus tells us that no matter how bad they get, we are still called to love them. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And think about what God does for everyone. When God gave the Israelites these Ten Commandments, he didn't say, honor the good mothers and fathers. He simply said, honor or show respect or reverence or obedience to the ones that I put into authority over you. From what we've been looking at, regardless of who your parents are, how well you know them, this isn't easy. And it requires humility. It requires you to intentionally elevate your parents and their needs above your own. Like I mentioned at the beginning, for everyone, our parents... For every one of us, our parents are continually giving us opportunity to practice being humble. As hard as this may be at times, God gave us this instruction because of all the good things that it will bring to our life. Let's look at the benefits. And so we can look at Deuteronomy 5. So Moses, before they, he releases, God re, brings the um, Israelites from the desert into the promised land. Moses once again gives them the Ten Commandments. And he adds a little bit to this one. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. It's like, who wouldn't want that, right? 
Now, why does practicing humility in our view and treatment of our parents bring such good things to our lives? Here's my thought. Humility is the soil out of which grows every other trait that leads to a good life. I want to look at this in two ways. First, societally, on a bigger picture. Humility is what allows us to love other, other people well. When we see others and their needs as more important than our own, it allows us to be patient, kind, and gentle towards them. It is also what encourages us to be generous and it empowers us to be faithful regardless of who they are. When we treat other people in this way, the ripple effect begins. Imagine how much better of a day you would have if your spouse, kids, coworkers, people at the gym, even strangers at the store, treated you with kindness. If everywhere you went, people were gentle with their words and actions. And when you approach people in your life in these ways, they are directly benefited from you and what you bring to their life. If everyone did this, think about how much better of a place Rapid City would be how much happier we would all be, how much less stress we would experience, and potentially how much longer we would live. I also want to talk about it on a personal level. Humility is what allows us to love God well, to make him our priority. And this is really what leads to a good life. Like we talked about earlier, choosing self over God is what led to the brokenness of man. So that means if we want to be restored, we must choose to do the opposite to obey God, to elevate him and his desires for us. When we do this, he will be able to lead us into the best possible life imaginable. I love the way that David put it in Psalms 25. God leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. What could possibly be better than getting direct instruction from the one who made absolutely everything? But in order to get this, we must be willing to elevate God and his wisdom high above our own limited and ever-failing logic. As we know, this doesn't come naturally, but one powerful technique to make this happen is honoring your earthly father and mother. Both God and your parents have a similar role in your life. They brought you into the world and are in a position of authority over you. Now, I know God is perfect and your parents are not, but your parents are a part of the physical realm. You can see and touch them, but you can't do this with God. So by choosing to honor your parents, you are practicing honoring the one who is in complete authority over you. You are practicing honoring God. The better you are at honoring God, the better your life will be. So why not practice with your parents? You don't want to end with the how, right? I can't just leave you with this conceptual. And so before, I just want to make sure this doesn't happen, before all you parents go home and try to think of a way to communicate this to your kids, right? I want to remind you, the law was given to the adults in 1500 BC sitting at the base of Mount Sinai. And it wasn't so that they could guilt trip their kids into treating them with kindness, right? Back then, during Moses' day, there was no retirement, no Social Security, or no Medicare. So in order to make sure the older generation was treated well, God gave this instruction to their children, men and women in their 20s, 
30s, 40s, even 50s. People in a similar spot that a lot of us in this community are in right now. From this perspective, I feel like God was asking those younger people of that younger generation to help their parents finish well. Nothing else. Hang on to that line. We are asked by God to help our parents finish well. So as I wrap this up, I want to give you three different examples from people from our church that have been living this out. The first one's a couple, um, like 10 years ago or so, one of their parents could no longer live on her own. And so they built her a spot in their garage and took care of her. The roles were reversed for the end of her life where they were taking care of their mother, hand and foot, sacrificing for her sake. You know, another one, this happens to be my grandma. When she was 96, she could no longer live a 1,000 miles away from her kids. And so my mom went down and grabbed her from Illinois and brought her back here. And for like four or five years, before she turned 101, she was still very spry. She lived on her own, but my mom would go and see her every day or make arrangements for people to come and care for her and give her company and community. She was put into the nursing home just before COVID, and most of us know what happened to nursing homes during COVID. just became like an iron block. But day after day, my mom, a lot of times with my kids, will go and stand outside her window, give her a phone call, and have some sort of interaction with her. I've got to watch Dee elevate her mom to, pri- to like one of her priorities, which requires her selflessly sacrificing in order to help her mom finish well. You know, the last one applies more to those who have already lost a parent. You know, I was talking to Derek about this message a few days ago, and he kind of told me that his mom had died a day after her 50th birthday. And as we were talking about this passage, he said at a certain point, he and his brother were talking about how their mom was slowly fading away, how she was being forgotten. And they saw the need to continually tell good stories about her to their kids, right? to allow her legacy to be created and to continue to live on. Now, for those of us that aren't in either of these situations yet, does not mean that you should not be honoring your parents today. And so as we end, as the musicians come up and they finish, I encourage, even challenge you to ask God, how can I honor my mom and dad today, this week? In what ways can I distinguish them? Can I show them that they are an important element to my life? In what ways can I humble myself so that way I can raise them up?